And hello and welcome to the Just Ministry podcast. My name is Michael Pardue. I'm in our studio, uh, as always, with Justin Smith. We are the owners, operators of the Just Ministry blog and Just Ministry podcast. And uh, we want to welcome you uh, to the podcast today. We hope that you will check out the website at justministry.org, justministry.org. You can find articles there from uh, pastors, from missionaries, from church planners, from uh, ministry professors, uh, all talking about uh, various uh, aspects of ministry, that sort of thing. And so today uh, we are going to talk about uh, group discussions and small groups and kind of how those works and uh this is Justin's area of expertise. That's uh, a scary thought. And he's written he's written on it uh, that you can find there uh, on the blog. And so, Justin, uh, talk to us about group discussions. You know, before we start, I don't think you could should downplay the importance of this studio we're in. We have a a view out the window as we're sitting here, the bustling metropolis of Eichard. Yes, we do. So don't don't shortchange your audience. They need to know how great of a studio this is. Well, the good thing, too, about uh, the studio here and our view out the windows is there is actually a high probability that you could see a police chase. Yeah. And uh, it, would, it would not be the first one uh, this week. Um, as a matter of fact, I have a view uh, right uh, I guess it would be to my left above our church's sign of uh, where a vandalism took place uh, <laughs> last week and uh, also where a police chase passed by not once, folks, but twice. So yeah. uh, so a wonderful studio that we've put right. together here uh, in Eichard. So tell us about group discussions. Jeff. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, it's funny. Group discussions are one of those things that everybody loves to do and nobody hardly knows how to do it. Uh, but the minute you go into any kind of group of people, whether it's a Sunday school class, a, a Bible study, even sometimes now with the, the trends of making Sunday night services less like a service, more like a maybe a Bible study meeting, uh, you're doing group discussions throughout that time. And, and yet, no one takes the time to actually think about what would make this discussion go well. It's almost like we think of discussions as almost like ball. Like I could just walk into the gym and just roll the ball out, and everybody will know how to play basketball. So that's just not true. It's really not true in basketball, but it's it's definitely not true in discussion. So you got to think about how to craft good discussions if you don't want to just waste your time. That's right. That's right. So so tell us about then that that idea. So most pastors, um, other people that are going to be listening to the blog, you know, ministry leaders, they teach on a regular basis, whether it's Sunday school or again that Sunday night service. And so how do we make those discussion times profitable for the people that show up? Well, I think the first thing you got to do is you've got to remember that there are different aspects of the learning process. So many of us that are preachers or teachers by trade, our default is we want to be the content providers. We want to, that, that's kind of the fruit of our labor. We produce all this study, we produce all these different thoughts, and we want to be able to put that out and give that out to to our audience, and, and that's a valuable thing. There, there's a good good side to being the content provider, but the point of discussion is not to provide more content. It's to help your audience in learning how to process and, and actually understand that. One of the things that we often um, probably rightly get accused of is just talking over people's heads or, or saying things that people don't understand. And usually the reason that that comes about is not because our content is too hard. It's because we just keep pouring on more and more content, and we don't give time for the 
the student or the learner to, to kind of process it and to be able to feed back at times. It's every every good learning system is is just like a communication cycle. It's just like a good tennis match. Um, it's it's a volley back and forth between the the teacher or the master and its student or the learner. And and it's this back and forth process because good communication always takes place where one person's giving content to another and then the other person, the learner, has to be able to digest it and, and they have to be able to make sure that they actually got it. I mean, think about how many times you sat in a lecture and, and you sat there and, and heard all this great information, but you just didn't have a way to, to put it into your framework of knowledge. You didn't have a way to, it was almost so much information, it was just overwhelming. And, and you walk away saying, man, that was great, but I have no idea what he talked about for 30 minutes. A lot of that's because we didn't have this time to process. We didn't have this time to reflect. And that's what discussion really gives you a chance to do is to listen to content and be able to feed back. So if you had misunderstandings, you can fix those in discussion. If if you needed some time to kind of work that out to say, well, here's what this theory looks like, you can do that in a discussion. So I think that's the first big step is, is understanding the role of discussion is not for you to be able to have an extended lecture. The role of discussion is to give your your learner space to be able to to respond and feedback. So so let's talk about um, the article in particular. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, so these are your rules that your party rules for discussion. That's right. So that's right. Uh, so for Justin Smith, the discussion time is in fact a party. Absolutely. And so uh, rule number one: make the party rock. Um, when you think about so making the party rock, so what are we what are we looking to do in that as as teachers as Bible study leader to really um, engage the learner in that discussion time? Yeah, I, I think this is one of the things that that we are handicapped by because of our natures as teachers and preachers. Most of us by nature are more how do you say that studious thinkers or more deep thinkers. We we want to engage in deep thinking. And we typically are, are pretty verbally gifted. Uh, they're, not everybody's extroverts, but, but a lot of teachers and preachers are at least outgoing. They're at least normal, normally in that realm of verbal speaking. But the, the truth is that not everybody is. And, and so one of the things that you, you encounter pretty quickly if you're teaching Sunday school is not everybody in your group is that excited when discussion times come. In fact, one of the, the big barriers with adult education in particular is that people just don't want to look like a moron. They just don't want to be exposed as not knowing something. The truth is, they don't know something. That's why they're coming to learn, but they don't want to be exposed that way. That's right. So yep. you've got to make the discussion. A good discussion is like a good party. You have to make it where it's worthwhile up front. So to start with, you've got to make the discussion rock. You've got to make the party rock. How do you do that? You do that by crafting good questions. How many times have you sat in a in a discussion class that the teacher just keeps asking these yes or no questions and wondering why there's no discussion. If you keep giving a yes or no question, you're going to keep getting yes or no answer. And you're never going to have more than a yes and blank stares. To make the discussions rock or to make the party start out well, you've got to, as a leader, be excited about it. You've got to also be prepared to, to ask good questions. Um, most discussions that where the action actually takes place is not in a classroom. It's just like with lectures. Most of the action actually takes place in your planning. 
And, and that's where our flaw is. A lot of times our discussion questions are just, well, what do you think about that? No, you've got to make those discussion questions where they're, they're things that people have to think about. They're things that people want to answer, that they know how to answer. We want them to struggle with the content, not with the question itself. So part of making the party rock is you've got to be attentive. You've got to be, be willing to sit up and, uh, and be excited about having the class take part or having your uh, audience take part. But also you've got to be able to have good questions that, that make it an inviting place to answer. Do you think there's some value to uh, asking the questions in a, of course, you know, most of the time when, when you or I are going to teach a Bible study, mm-hmm. and, and I would assume a lot of our listeners, you know, there's going to be um, a certain amount of that that is, you know, giving content. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we were both taught, I know, in, in the the Doctor of Education program at Southeastern about this idea of, of interjecting questions throughout to really keep the learners engaged yeah. as they go. You know, every five, seven minutes, something like yeah. that, and, you know, breaking up yeah. kind of the, the lecture to do that. Do you think there's something some value in giving questions that get, I guess we would say, progressively harder to where, yeah. you know, kind of the first thing you might ask is something that, really everybody's going to know, or at least the average Bible study attender is going to know. And then going from there, maybe to the last question you ask is something that either they don't know, or the only way they knew it is because it's been taught during the the time you've been together. You think there's some value to that? Oh yeah, definitely. I do. I I definitely think there's, there's quite a bit of value of this kind of, maybe what do we call it? Progressive difficulty. Um, you're, you're, definitely right on that and and, you know to use this party analogy I I think that's that's where you can really learn that idea is you know nobody walks into a party dancing like crazy like it takes some build-up to get there it takes some some initiatives or or some things to kind of loosen up the crowd to to get it where they're able to feel comfortable to do that and it's the same with questions in that regard Uh, the wise teacher I think will start with with easier questions to get the cadence of the discussion going a lot of times what I would do, if it's a Bible study in particular, I, I think this still applies with book studies, but I'm just going to use Bible studies in this because most of us will be teaching that. Um, I start a lot of times with observation kind of questions. I, I know I said don't do yes or no questions, and I agree with that. But at the same time, some of those simple observation questions up front, um, saying when you read this text, where where do you see the actions taking place? A lot of times there's there's geographical keys in a text. A lot of times there um, there may be time markers. You can say, well, how many days does this look like it's going on? How many people were involved in this? Very basic observation questions are not going to be big discussions in themselves. But what you're doing is you're you're kind of loosening up your audience. You're loosening up your class to where they say, yeah, this is a safe place to answer. And, and honestly, a big part of it's going to be your body language. How you when you give out those easy questions, if if you're focused on the the answerer. If you're sitting there attending to them, looking into them, and and really kind of saying, that's right, you got it, um, it's going to make when you get to those deeper questions, going to make it so much easier. Do you think um, maybe some of the value in, in, in putting those things that are, are readily available first, so mm-hmm. geographic location, time location, does that help also maybe put some perspective on the fact that um, you know, sometimes in Scripture we get the detail mm-hmm. because we have an observer who's giving us detail. Right. But sometimes people get caught up in the detail and make 
sure. make more of it. And so if you put it first and kind of get out of the way, hey, this is where this happened, yeah. and this is the location. This is not the grand theological idea right. because right. Uh, because it happened, you know, in in Caesarea Philippi, you know, yeah. and that means that it's all these other things. Yeah. No, this is just where it happened, and right. it's good for us to know that because it gives yeah. us a point of reference. But right. but we're gonna now we're gonna talk about you know yeah. here's the depth of, of what's yeah. here. I think so. I, you know, a lot of times people think of discussions as, uh, you know, we talked about how you have this image of people just kind of rolling the ball out and expecting people to play with it. Um, but discussions are really, discussions take just as much work and you have just as much control as the instructor as a lecture does. We don't think of it that way because we're the ones talking in lecture. But but by the way you craft these questions, by the way you, you are still directing your students to think on certain things. Yet the the goal is not so much to present new content, but it is to make them process through content you just taught. And so you, you are still very much active as the instructor in a good discussion. So I, I think your point's well taken in that. And and honestly, part of, uh, part of why I come to the way I do in terms of leading discussions is I have a strong conviction that if I'm a Bible teacher, I'm always teaching on two levels. I, I'm not only teaching my class the content of the scripture, but I'm also teaching them how to study the scripture for themselves. That's just good inductive Bible study method to start with observation, move on into interpretation, move on into application. In, in a discussion, I'm doing the same thing. In a discussion-based class or or in a dis- discussion-based class, I, I'm I'm covering that same ground. I'm starting by letting them see, look, here's the observations. We set the scene. Like you'd said, we, we can easily see what's really important and what's not so much important. Um, but we can also begin that process of saying, okay, now that we've got all the facts, let's start to interpret that. Let's start to understand what it means. And then let's figure out what we do with this. Yeah. Well, sometimes um, a discussion, and, and I'll give you an example um, I was preaching yesterday from First John chapter five, yeah. and as I was doing the study, um, you know, one of the commentaries that I was looking at, the uh, the author gave five possible interpretations for this particular <laughs> text, um, and and then you know after he had presented the five, he came and said, uh, you know, here's the one that I think is most plausible. And as I read and studied and and went back through and considered some of the options that he had given, I, I fell in the same place. And so, um, so I preached that one well, church last night, the church member said, you know, when I was reading that, yeah. I thought this yeah. and, um, I, but you know, when you explained it, I, I saw that sure. it was actually something uh, different. And I said, you know, it's interesting because the, um, the, one of the authors I read, you know, sure. had presented that as one of the five options. And yeah. so when you're preaching like that in, in a really yeah. one way thing, you don't have any way to uh, yeah. correct that. So you've got to really come down yeah. and, and say firmly where at least you see the text yeah but with um with discussion when you kind of throw your idea out that's when the person is going to have the opportunity to come back and say well could it be this right and that's where you study and if not if no one comes and says that well you don't have to go through the other (laughs) options that's right you can go on into something else and so the discussion allows you to find out through your questions where people are in their understanding of a theological issue and understanding of you know what a word might mean or, yeah. or some interpretation that they had heard and you know when they bring it out then you can deal with it but sometimes um, if you don't need to bring it out bringing it out only causes maybe some confusion yeah, muddies the water uh, yeah and and so if you have to deal with it because of the discussion great and you're prepared to do that but if not 
then you know, okay, there's, there's, um, you know, no one here, at least from what they're saying, you know, no one here seems to be confused about this so we can move on to the next thing. And I think that's very helpful. I do too. And, and I think you bring up a great point that, uh, when I would do teacher training and one of the points I would always make is you get this perception or, or there's this kind of reputation that said people who use discussion maybe aren't as scholarly or maybe don't work as hard as, as a lecture person. Cause we have this mindset of like a lecturer as being this kind of professor or scholar of some sort. And they're just expounding on what they know. I would argue uh, the opposite is actually the case. If I think the only reason that we don't see that is because a lot of discussions are not led well. In, in a well-led discussion, the the instructor has to be prepared more than even you would as a lecturer. And the reason why is because you don't know what's going to come up. That's right. You're opening the floor up. And I think that's where your point is well taken. To, to say if you were preaching, you only have to focus in on the one avenue that, that is the direction of your message, what goes in line with your one main point. And and your general thesis but if you're going to open it up to the floor you better be ready and and just take it as a as a truth statement it's going to happen the minute you decide yeah i'm going to go in and do this discussion group you're going to have somebody ask a way off the wall question you're going to have to know your field well enough to know or your topic of study well enough to know this is a question i can answer or this isn't a question i can answer and and you're going to have to already be thinking through as you're phrasing out these questions as you're preparing them thinking through what kind of answers am i probably going to get with this because you want to prepare yourself going into it again just because you've opened the floor up and you've let students involved does not mean that you're now a passive instructor you still have the reins and this is a this is a side note and this is probably only relevant to a young pastor a new pastor a new bible study teacher it is okay in a discussion to say i don't know yeah. Uh, let me go let me go research that. And if someone won't accept that as an answer, then just don't worry about them. I yeah. mean just just don't don't fool with them. Just say, "Okay, you know, that's cool. You already know." Cuz if they don't if they don't if they really care, they're fine with you taking until next Wednesday night to yeah. come up with an answer. Right. They are more than okay with that. If they um, they already know the answer and yeah. or at least their answer and they don't really care, they just want to see what you would say. Yeah. Um just let them have it and let them go on and do it. But yeah. don't, don't get up and say, <laughs> uh, "Well, let me let me kind of give you this answer." Um, I was talking with someone earlier today, <laughs> and they they brought up a, a Bible passage, and um, it uh, is one a little more difficult. And I said, "You know what? Let me let me get my Bible out and let's yeah. look at that." And um, you had a study Bible there, and there were like four or five other cross references. I said, let's yeah. look each up, each one of those up and read them and talk about them. And so instead of just giving an answer, which right. is sometimes our impulse yeah. to say, well, you know, this is what it is. You know, yeah. that's not a passage I had studied recently. And yeah. so let's look back at that and kind of think through the implications yeah. and look at scripture in its context and look at, at um, scripture as a whole and what it says about this and then discuss it. And right. you have... You have time to do that. Even if it's not in that exact moment, over time, you have time to make that happen. And so um, I would just encourage you and caution you on that. Definitely. I I think the the maxim to keep in mind with that is truth is more important than satisfaction. Mm. We we all want to be satisfied. We we want the teacher to tell me now. We as teachers want to 
you know, we see these little, these people sometimes that are like little baby birds, and it's like we're, we we want to give them the worm, but truth is better. Truth is more important than satisfaction. So let's talk about rule number two. Mm-hmm. Um, so rule number one is to make the party rock. Uh, this is our discussion. We're turning it into a party, and we're making it rock. That's and right. so rule number two is make the party comfortable and safe. Yeah. Okay, so you want people to feel at home at your party, your discussion, um, and um, you don't want them to um, look stupid if at all possible. That's you right. know, sometimes people just say stuff that makes them look stupid. Yeah. So, you know, right now I am uh, also the youth minister here at our <laughs> church, and sometimes teenagers, and, and from my experience being a youth pastor before, and you've done it as yeah. well, Justin, you know, sometimes teenagers say dumb stuff, yeah. and you um, you try to you know cover that for them. I right. know we have a thing for our kids on Sunday night, and I'll ask them about things from the, the service on Sunday morning, I'll say, yeah. you know, I said this morning, you know, there are three of these things. And so, you know, Billy over here will say one of them and Susie will say one of them. And, and then, um, you know, uh, Billy Bob's brother is going to say the third <laughs> one. And he says something crazy. And I say, you know, not, that's not exactly it. Does anybody else have, so, you know, you, you want to yeah. be courteous and not embarrass yeah. people. Um, so how do we make the party then? How do we make these discussion, uh, discussions feel, uh, and safe and comfortable for our learners? Yeah, I, I think, I think there's really two parts to that. I think one is we've got to really learn how to listen. And a lot of times that's hard as teachers. Uh, we really we really want to just give the answers. We really want to correct people. And and it just drives us crazy sometimes. But, but you've got to understand what's going on as you're asking this question is you're putting this information that they've now heard, they've probably studied in some regard, and and you're asking them, what did you actually think about that? What's your feedback on that? So what you're hearing is their understanding of your content. So rather than thinking that as like, oh, I'm a failure as a teacher, or oh, this guy's a moron, you got to think of that as, okay, he doesn't, he didn't fully get what I put out. He he didn't fully understand what I put out. So what my rule of thumb is with listening, there, there's two ways you can help yourself. One is try to always use your um, your respondents words use his words in describing his answers so so if you told me something uh, you know we were watching the basketball game last night and if you came in and and i said what do you think was the most important play and and you say you know steph curry shooting the ball when the shot clock's running out then i don't need to say yeah steph curry just made an incredible shot that's that's not the way i value your your answer i value your answer by if i'm writing it down or if we're covering i said yeah steph curry making a shot with the shot clock expiring i use your words i'm mirroring you what that'll help you do is it'll help you as as a teacher actually listen because you can't mirror something you didn't hear and and it'll also help you get out of the habit of just jumping to an answer i'm bad about that most of us that that talk a lot love to just kind of jump and get there we've already got our next line and our mind just kind of percolating ready to to spew out but that will kill discussions because you you'll show your your students quickly that their opinions really don't matter when you do that the other the other side of that is you got to watch shaming kind of talk you got to watch where's appropriate mocking or where's appropriate laughing in that sense there's some things that are funny and and you're going to have some answers that people give that you'll chuckle about and and they'll kind of chuckle about but you also need to be careful with you don't ever want to shame your students if a student is willing to to answer if a student is willing to engage you want to make it where even if it's a wrong answer your problem is not with the student your problem is with the answer and you want the student to know 
this is an open place for you to come and talk. So even if it's like you say with the, the teenager that gives you this off the wall, you at least want to say, you know, I'm thankful that you answered. Uh, you want to show gratitude. You, you want to show graciousness in that. Don't just say, what a dumb answer. you got to come back and say, you know, that that's not quite what I said, but I really appreciate your willingness to answer. That's great. Anybody else have more answers? Anybody yep. else have more thoughts? Yep. A lot of times one of the things I do is I try not to paint myself into a corner of saying the number of answers I have to have. A lot of times if you leave it very open-ended, um, instead of saying, like, what are the three main virtues you see in this passage? You say, what virtues do you see in this passage? That gives your students some wiggle room to where if they give you an answer that's not one of the three, you can say, well, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I could see where you're going from. Yeah. It also, one of the things that will also help is is as you're taking them seriously, as you're listening, follow up if it's an off-the-wall kind of question. So so if you're saying, you know, what's, what's a virtue of the Christian life? And somebody comes by and says, like, belief. We wouldn't normally say that's a virtue of a Christian life, but but you could follow that up and say, so what do you mean when you say belief? I, I'm interested. That I haven't heard that before. And a lot of times saying it like that makes it, you know, don't say, like, I've never heard that. Say, it like, you know, I haven't heard that one before. Explain it to me. I'm really interested to see what you're thinking here. Um, that can flip the discussion. And it makes where people, the people that you're worried about are not necessarily the ones that answer. They're probably the more courageous ones anyway. It'll be the second or third person that's kind of hanging back. That, that normally wouldn't engage, that it'll help. Yeah, very much. Well, one of the things that, uh, and, and I've had this impressed upon me about uh, preaching, um, you know, on on multiple occasions, is that um, the person uh, that has come, so your learner, out of all the other things in the world, yeah. chose to come hear you preach right. or you teach. So... Out of the millions of things at the millions of churches and in you know our culture, in sports, in leisure, in sitting on the couch doing nothing, out of all of yeah. those things, that person came to hear you teach. And that should humble you. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're teaching in a, a, a Bible college setting or a seminary, those people paid money yeah. to have you teach to them. Yeah. And uh, that should humble us and I think if we do approach the teaching time and discussion time with that humble attitude, I think it yeah. does uh, change a lot of how we approach that. We don't become the expert, even if we are the expert. Yeah. Um, we um, we we want to put ourselves on that level. Uh, a mutual friend of ours mm -hmm. uh, who is also um, a part of our, our Just Ministry organization, Marcus Daly, mm -hmm. who's a pastor up in Kentucky, uh, he was sharing with me about a trip that he went on to El Salvador a few months ago. Um, I was supposed to be on and didn't get to go, and so he, he was teaching in my place. And the pastors there were dumbfounded that he hung out with them, um, yeah. that he slept the same place they did, and he ate with them. <laughs> um, but it was just that little bit of, of humility on his part, and that's just who he is. It wasn't some type of false thing put on uh, that he was willing to do that. And so when I've seen him teach in that context, um, you know, when there are these questions, and sometimes these questions that are kind of kind of awkward and kind of strange and that sort of thing, um, you know, he is uh, more than willing to, uh, you know, to humble himself on that. Okay, so let's talk about the 
then the third rule, uh, third rule, um, not a fight club. Uh, this is the third rule of our, um, our discussion party. No, (laughs) that is the first, second, and I think third rule is that we don't talk about fight club. Um, so cut the party off before it gets lame. All right. So any good party at some point could get lame. Um, and you'll stop before then because that's what Absolutely. people remember. So how do we stop the discussion party before it gets lame? That's the worst part of any kind of parties when you're standing around and nothing's going on and, and you kind of know you really would rather be home, but you kind of feel like you can't yet. That's how awkward it gets in discussions a lot of times. I, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those classes. I know I've been in several of those where it's just like, we've already squeezed the juice out of this lemon. Why are we still sitting here pushing at it? You know, it's just... It's just excruciating at times, and and a lot of times one of the the thing that novice discussion leaders will do that that really foster this is they'll have questions where they'll say, well, let's go around the the class and get everybody to answer. Ah, oh, don't do that. Don't do that unless it's something like they're they're you're asking their name or or their favorite flavor of ice cream. You know, if, if it's a one word answer, then that's okay to go around. But but generally speaking, if you're in a group, you're really only gonna if if you get three or four good answers that's really about all the good answers you'll get yep. normally it might not even four may be really fortunate i always used to aim when i was teaching classes regularly i would i would aim to get two to three good answers out because once you get two to three good answers out of a question that means the question's probably gone around enough that people can think about it so w- one of the things i would do is once you once you started to get those two or three good answers and the discussion still kind of hopping one of the things that is a standby trick for me is I would just say, okay, let's get one more good answer. What you're doing is you're giving a, a warning call. It's almost like an auctioneer. You know, good auctioneers will say, okay, last call, last call, and, and then it'll be over. Uh, part of the reason why is because you don't want people just standing around. It, you lose interest in the item as you're standing around. You, you lose interest in the discussion in the same way. Uh, when, when, the class, when the question just kind of lingers in front of the class, but what it does is it really, in a sense, puts your class to sleep. And it makes it where every question just becomes a drudgery because you know it's just going to go out way too long. So you as a teacher, that's how you control it, and that's how you keep these discussions lively, is don't let them go on too long. Uh, don't don't let people go beyond the, the question's length. And so a good way to do that, give them the warning shot. And then the other way to do that is just be ready. Understand that if you've got 30 minutes in a class, one discussion question is not going to do a good job. You, you probably need, if you've got a 30-minute class and it's all discussion, you're probably going to need five or six questions because you're probably only going to get five minutes of good time out of most questions. And, and that's not bad. You, you should be happy if you get five minutes out of a lot of them. Yeah, so, you know, it, it if it goes on, if you start beating the proverbial dead horse, um, yeah. I think it really, it really causes... Um, it causes the decline of the health of the class, and yeah. it also is kind of the last impression of the class. So, mm-hmm. so you know that's why with the sermon, you mm-hmm. know, when I preach, I get near the end in my my challenge time, you know, which is what I call my conclusion. I go back through normally and kind of recap. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where you 
Uh, you tell them what you're going to tell them, and then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them, yeah. and you know try to do that. And so with a class, you know that last discussion question, that That's last right. kind of um, little part of the instruction is going to be the thing that kind of sticks and holds you over to to the next week or the next That's time right. that you're going to meet. And so if by then everyone's banging their head against the wall because this is just terrible, <laughs> you know, um, you end up with that being the final impression, yeah. and I think that really hurts. Um, the teaching time and the discussion time, and you just want yeah. to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. In, in the article, we had this about um, ending discussions with a recap. That's how you as a teacher bring clarity out of these discussions. Sometimes you'll have all kinds of different thoughts flying through here because people are processing, and people have all kinds of different stuff floating in their head as they're thinking through these passages and thinking through these ideas. And, and one of the things you can do to help your students is to give them a summary of what did you just hear. And you're not really saying, what did you just hear? You're saying, this is what's important about what you just heard. So you're not going to go back through and repeat everybody's answer. You're going to go through and pull out the, so what we learned with this question was this, this, and this. And that's where you can help to, to pull it back in line with the rest of your lesson. The discussion shouldn't be this outlier in the middle of a lesson. It should be in line with the whole theme of what you're teaching. And it, it, as a teacher, it probably gives you a few moments to maybe correct if there yeah. was a little place to correct, That's right. um, to preview, um, you know, maybe coming attractions, yeah. if you will, what's what's down the road and to just think about, you know, wh where everything fits together. And so that's what you want to do. That's right. Well, we are out of time for today's Just Ministry podcast. Uh, we want to thank you so much for listening. We do hope that you'll take time to check out our website, uh, justministry.org. and want to remind you that we are looking for contributors, and we're not looking for uh, folks that are necessarily scholars, people that are at megachurches. We're looking for the average Joe pastor, Sunday school teacher, ministry leader to just give us some of their insight um, into ministry and what ministry looks like in their context, maybe something that's weighing on their heart. A number of the articles that we've received uh, recently have just been things that have been laid on people's hearts, you know, things that they're dealing with in their own ministry, and they just wanted to share some insights for the benefit of others. And so that's what we're hoping uh, that you'll do. You can send those to submissions at justministry.org, submissions at justministry.org, and we will uh, get that up. Uh, you can find out uh, that link and more information about what articles we're looking for at justministry.org. We want to thank you for listening and hope that that you will uh, listen in for our next broadcast uh, coming soon. Hope you have a wonderful day. Blessing.